Who's happy to be at First Wednesday Prayer Night? Now you can see whenever we say, hey, you've never experienced redemption in church until you've been on a First Wednesday Prayer Night. You're like, man, there's so many people. It's so hot. It's because the Holy Ghost is here, y'all. He got that fire in us right now. So I'm glad to be with you, with you today. Like Pastor Byron said, my name is Ethan. I am on staff here at Redemption. And I want to start off uh, tonight by just getting something off my chest. If y'all wouldn't mind, I just want to get something off my chest. Only a few handful of people know this about me. Um, but there's something I feel like I need my church family to know, and it's this. Um, whenever I was five years old, the Michael Jordan came to my birthday party. He came to my birthday party. I'm talking about the man, right? The one who had six championships, the greatest NBA player of all time. At five years old, 1997, are you kidding me? I was watching Space Jam every single day. And my dad had the hookup. The hottest thing that ever happened in Southeast Texas, nobody knew about. Because it was at a five-year-old's birthday party. Michael Jordan came to my house. He was on my carport. I told Trevor, I was like, I'm going to tell you something tonight you just won't even believe. He came to my house. He was on my carport. Came dressed in a full Space Jam outfit. Had the whole jersey on and everything. Me too. We were on the same team. He obviously picked me. You know, he needed some help. We're talking about the guy who saved the Looney Tunes from the Monstars. Okay? This is the man. Well, you'll never guess how this story is. A couple years later, I'm looking through some old photos. And then I come across my five-year-old birthday party. And I'm looking. I don't think that's Michael Jordan. Mom? Dad? Who is this guy? Turns out, he was just a black friend of my dad's from work. <laughs> what a great man. They, he put on the whole outfit and everything. And to a five-year-old, a 6'4", bald black man was Michael Jordan. He had on the Looney Tunes jersey. I'll let you know right now that if you, uh, if you need a professional white athlete at your birthday party, just give me a call because I need to pay that one forward, okay? <laughs> Sound good? With all that being said, uh, I thought one thing to be true, but then later on, I found out it was a little bit different than I thought it was. How many times have you guys experienced something like that in your life? To, not necessarily if it's good or bad, because it could be totally different situations, but you thought it was one thing, and then you find out later this thing that I knew to be true, like Michael Jordan being at my birthday party, wasn't exactly what I thought it was. What I want to do on this first Wednesday prayer night is clear up some confusion around the gifts of the Spirit. Because for many of us, Whenever it comes to the spiritual gifts, we thought it was one thing, 
But then whenever you're actually looking at your Bible and you're putting all of this together and you're sitting under the teachings here at Redemption, you're finding out, wait, there's something more to this than what I originally thought it was. We're not here tonight to have a debate about the spiritual gifts. We're here to discover them and help you discover the spiritual gifts. And if you want to know more about where our church stands with the spiritual gifts and you just want to know more about the spiritual gifts in general, then I would say go to our Connect page. You can look back at all of our first Wednesdays that we've been doing for several months and you can listen to the sermons there. But tonight I'm going to share with you four myths about the spiritual gifts. Four myths about the spiritual gifts because I'm going to go ahead and guess that Everybody in here, if you take all of us together, we've all come from different backgrounds. We've been taught different things. And, and so I want to take this moment to clear up the confusion. This is myth number one. Only super saints are super gifted. Only super saints are super gifted. Some people teach that only the apostles performed signs and wonders back in the day. It's easy to, to look up on this stage and look at, at Pastor Byron or another pastor or anyone who's preaching up here and think, oh, they, they have the extra special connection between uh, them and God, and so therefore that's where the gifts come from, and, and that's for them. And for you, maybe that's someone that you see maybe on the worship team, and you're like, oh, I see that, that they are gifted. I see the spiritual gifts moving in them, or maybe it's the prayer team, or maybe it's your small group leader, wherever it might be, your serve team lead, you might be thinking, um, they have this special connection, so therefore they have the special gifts. But I am not a super Christian. I know what I struggle with. That's for them, not for me. Well, here's the thing. I want you to know that, that all throughout the New Testament, there are average Christians that exercise their spiritual gifts. We see it time and time again throughout the New Testament. And if you leave tonight with anything, I want you to know this, that if you have grace, you have a gift. If you have been saved, you have a spiritual gift right now and you have access to spiritual gifts. So I would like to read some scripture to you. This is Hebrews 4, 14 through 15. It says this, since then... We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confessions, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, and it goes on and on. But I want you to see this because Jesus is our high priest. This is where uh, a lot of different sects of, of Christianity get it wrong. This is where I would say that Catholicism gets it wrong. They have the Pope, the high priest, and then they have their other priests, and then there's regular Catholics down here. But I'm showing you this scripture right here. It refers to Jesus as our high priest. Yes. And we know that with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus, the Spirit of God now dwells inside of you. Yes. This Hear me on this. This instates you, the believer, to be a part of what the Bible refers to as the royal priesthood in the kingdom of heaven. We are delegated authority and power from, high, from our high priest, Jesus, as priest, 
to go and witness to the world. That's the difference is that you don't need someone else now because Jesus is the high priest. He is the mediator, mediator between us and the Father. And so he gives us the power to go and do. So let me ask you a question. When, when, what raised Jesus from the dead? The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. What happens when you put your faith in Jesus? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, comes and dwells within you. The same Spirit. The same Spirit with the power to bring the Son of God back to life. It's the same spirit that lives inside of you whenever you come to know Jesus. So it's not about a person on a platform. The only thing that makes me special is that I have the Holy Spirit. But it turns out that you do too. There's nothing that makes Pastor Byron special. Guess what? He's someone who loves the Lord, has the Holy Spirit, and is pursuing after him. Does that sound like everyone in here? (laughs) So it's not about a platform. And it's, it's not about someone who seems holier than you. So they have this extra connection. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians, saying, to each one of you, has been given the manifestations of the Spirit to each one of you. And who are you as a believer? You're someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit, which means that you have been given access to miraculous gifts of the Spirit. And who gives you these spiritual gifts? It ain't your mama. It ain't your daddy. It ain't Michael Jordan. (laughs) And it ain't your pastor. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who gives you these gifts. Now, what I want to do is shift a little bit right here. I know for some of you, you may have been taught that spiritual gifts used to be around, but aren't anymore, which leads me to the second myth. Myth number two, spiritual gifts aren't needed now that the Bible is completed. I know some of you grew up being taught that. There are churches out there that teach that the Bible has now replaced the need for miraculous, for the miraculous and spiritual gifts. They would say that the generation of believers that followed right after the the death and resurrection of Jesus, well, they didn't have the New Testament. And so they needed the Holy Spirit. They needed the spiritual gifts and the miraculous to take place so that it could confirm the gospel of Jesus. And you know what? I would say that's absolutely true. They did need that. But it says now that we have, or they would say now that we have the Bible, we don't need the gifts anymore because the Bible bears witness of the gospel to the world. But here's the truth. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, he says, as each has received a gift, that's all of you, who are believers, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's buried graces. Peter is saying right here that the gifts of the Spirit are not all about bearing witness to the world. Yes, that is part of it, and ultimately it gets there. But he is saying right here that in order to be a good steward of God's graces given to you, you are to use the gifts to serve one another. 
How many of y'all know that we need that right now so that we can serve one another? And at the bottom of uh, verse 11, he continues on and he says, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So it's important that we use our spiritual gifts. Peter tells us to use our spiritual gifts. He doesn't say, hey, this generation and this generation alone use your spiritual gifts. He says to each of you, use your spiritual gifts. Why? To serve one another. Why is that important? Because it glorifies God. And then ultimately, it speaks to the world around us. So we already know as believers that we have been given the gifts of the Spirit. And Peter says, hey, you've been given the gifts. Use them. Use them. And then there's this other thing that I want to bring up, and it's, it's, uh, it's Joel 2.28. I was thinking about this like right before we jumped in here. And it says, at the end of days, I will pour out uh, my spirit uh, on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. He's talking about us. That's happening right now here at Redemption Church. And I just don't know how you get around these types of scriptures, and there's plenty of them, and not come to the conclusion that the Spirit of God is in us today and flows through us today. Now, there are others of you in the room that grew up in church uh, on the other side of the fence, really charismatic. Your church was all about the Holy Spirit, all about the gifts. You know all about them. But you have ignored the gifts because you saw the misuse and abuse of them. And that leads me to myth number three. If people abuse spiritual gifts, we should cease to use spiritual gifts. I want you to know that if this is you, I sympathize with you. Because I saw a lot of this growing up um, in, in, in my years of growing up. And I saw people speaking in tongues and prophesying and running around and falling out every which way and, and spiritual gifts being used left and right. But then I would also see those same people turn around right after that and be the, the meanest, angriest, most unloving, gossiping, lying people that I knew. And I couldn't reconcile the two things. I'm like, how are you encountering the living God in such a tangible way but then your heart's not being changed. You know, honestly, it pushed me away from the spiritual gifts for several years. And I would say just until this last uh, year or so, I've really been able to pray through some of this with the people around me to open me back up to the idea of spiritual gifts because I know they're real, I know they're authentic, but whenever you see a misuse or abuse of anything, Sometimes it just makes you want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Here's the truth is that people make this mistake all of the time. I see it all of the time whenever you think about church in general. They have one bad experience at church and then they'll say something like, yeah, they were spiritually abusive at that church. Okay, I'm sorry that happened to you. Why are you not in church? You're in Southeast Texas. There are hundreds of churches everywhere. Why would you just give up on church, find another church? It even happens in our church with small groups or serve teams. Maybe they had a bad experience here or there and for any array of reasons, but then they just leave small group. It's like, we have like 25, 30 small groups. 
go find some other friends. Like, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Same thing with the serve team. You're like, oh, I'm just not feeling the Lord in this spot. And then they leave that serve team, and then they leave the church. And it's like, go find an, You don't want to be in the production booth. Go back to kids. Maybe you'll find out you got spiritual gifts back there. But here's the thing is that there was a, a church in Corinth back in the New Testament days that was known for being really big and charismatic, but they really lacked in character. And they were really big in exercising the gifts of the Spirit, but they were also doing it in such a chaotic way that the Apostle Paul had to actually write a letter to them to correct them. And we know this book as the book of Corinthians. Paul was really uh, creative with his naming his letters. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. How does Paul correct these people? Because I know if it was me and my experience, and I had the authority to go correct these people, I would say, slow down, chill out, <laughs> take a breather and step back. Because you guys are being too wild in here. You're being too charismatic in here. You're causing issues. But that's not what Paul said to them, which blows my mind. Twice in the book of Corinthians, he continues to tell them to earnestly desire and seek the gifts. What a weird thing to say to people who you're like, you don't know how to use this gift. You know, you don't know how to drive that car. We're taking that car away from you. That's not what he says, though. He's like, Go get two cars. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really interesting to me that this is where Paul lands with it. But here's the deal is that Paul basically is saying to them, don't do it less, just do it better. Just do it better. And I want to be real with y'all because I've had to deal with this myself. If that was you, if you had that same background that I had, then um, I feel like the Lord's been talking to me about you. <laughs> and I want you to know that, that or I want to suggest to you that you have created an inner vow within yourself that you saw other people misuse the spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit, and you said, I will never be that person. And so what you decided to do is, in order to never be that person, I'm going to pull away from the spiritual gifts and from the Holy Spirit and him moving in my life, period. And so if that is you, I want you to know that I've been working through that too. And if you want to have someone to pray with you, here at the end, we're going to have our prayer team up here. I want you to come up and receive prayer because we have the living water living inside of us, running through us. And sometimes there's boulders and stones that are in that river that are preventing it. And sometimes you need to repent for those things so the stones will move out of the way and and the Holy Spirit will move through you. So I highly recommend you do that if that's you. And then I want to give you one more myth. Myth number four. When you became a believer, you got all the spiritual gifts you will ever get. So the idea here is that when you're saved, whatever you got is whatever you get. There's no more room to grow. That's what it is. Whatever you got is whatever you get. But here's the problem with that. For one, what would be the point of Paul saying constantly and consistently to the churches back then, 
to go and seek the gifts of the Spirit. Ask God to, to give you the gifts. Earnestly desire the gifts. Why would he say something like that if you already have whatever you're going to get? And the second thing is this. My dad gave me a Nintendo 64 back in 1997. Where my 90s babies at? I love my church. It was the greatest thing, a Nintendo 64. We're not making any old people jokes here. We honor our saints that have been around for a minute. But I got this Nintendo 64 in 1997. It was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Maybe second to Michael Jordan being at my party. I was on fire from head to toe, man. We had Mario Kart. We had Mario 64, Mario Party. Mario, Mario, Mario. Diddy Kong Racing. Banjo-Kazooie. I could go on and on. I could tell who my 90s babies are. It was the greatest gift I had ever received in 1997. But if my dad bought me a, 19, uh, a Nintendo 64 right now in 2023, let me tell you what I would do. First off, I would tell all my friends. I'd be like, I got the coolest dad ever. He remembered. <laughs> and then I would invite them all over and we would play the little Nintendo 64 with the terrible graphics that changed the gaming world forever. <laughs> and we would do that for a day, and then they would go home. And then the next day, I'd be like, sorry, babe, one more night. You got <laughs> you to let me do this. And then I would play again that night. And then the nostalgia would wear off because it was a different gift for a different season. And then I would go put it in the garage. And then I probably wouldn't think about it again for, for years after that. Because in 1997, the exact gift my father gave me lined up with the season of life that I was in. Now, I'm 30. I'm in a different season. If my dad were to give me a good gift, it would probably look like a lawnmower or a weed eater. <laughs> Or a Nintendo 64, he's in right there. <laughs> Here's the truth is that God is a good father. And he will give you the right gifts in the right season of your life. So yes, you do receive the gift of grace whenever you're saved. But that is not the end for you. Paul says, continue to ask and continue to receive. Yes. It doesn't matter if you're brand new to your faith and you got baptized a couple weeks ago. It doesn't matter if you're on your last leg. You, take, you took the last curve around. You've been a Christian for 40, 50, 60 years. There's a gift for you in this season, a spiritual gift for you in this season. And the Lord will move through you. Life changes, and with that, God equips us with the spiritual gifts to help us minister in that particular season. So keep, keep on asking for more. So to bring all of this together, 
I want you to know that with God, with the Holy Spirit, with the things of the Spirit, like gifts of the Spirit, it's always going to be better than you think it can be. So if you feel like there's any thought process or a way that you were taught in your past that is preventing you from experiencing what God wants to do through you with spiritual gifts, tonight is the night to let that go. So let's be like Paul. Don't let bad teachings and falsehoods and myths keep you from what God has for you. I want you to earnestly pray for the gifts of the Spirit, and I want you to watch what God will do through you.